0: You. i'm great how are you doing well thank you wonderful i hope that y'all's weather out in uh sorry that's very southern of me i hope your weather uh out on the pacific coast is a little bit better than it is down here right now so
1: you know our weather is always the same uh we're very sort of spoiled it seems like i mean i think the only thing that changes is whether it's fire season or not <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that would be something we don't have to deal with down here as much but uh Everything else, it seems. So, you're in Texas, right? Uh, actually, Mississippi. So, not too far off. So, okay. Gulf Gulf Coast and uh, all that good stuff. So, a lot of heat, wet heat. Okay. <laughs> so yeah
1: I can't hit ha- I can't handle the humidity I don't know how you guys do it I I used to work I had a client in Houston and I just mm. you know I would I would step outside and my glasses would fog up and I couldn't see anything and then I would walk inside the air conditioning it was like negative <laughs> 100 I don't understand I'm sweaty and oh, I'm goodness. oh goodness oh I'm, goodness I'm assuming you've not been to New Orleans then <laughs> I have not um, but uh-huh. if it's
0: like that maybe I won't go I don't know I'm a big hey. chicken. Uh, well, it's a wonderful time, but yes, it is. It's in the swamp. So, you know, it is what it is. So. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for agreeing to to be on the show and uh, just give us a little bit of insight into what you do. And I've read your book cover to cover. Um, oh, thank you. Love it. Um, I uh, was reading it and uh, going through and thinking, wow, this is great for jujitsu. But then as a teacher, with all the trauma of students that I encountered, you've given me warning signs and not necessarily warning signs, but just signs to be on the lookout for. And it's it's astounding how many I missed before you pointed them out, so.
1: Oh, and there's so many more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as soon as you finish writing a book, you're like, oh, no, I need this chapter and that one. And <laughs> mm-hmm. um, But anyway, thank you so much for having me here with you today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always need to start by giving a disclaimer. You know, I don't know who's listening and I don't mm-hmm. want them to take anything that I say today is medical advice for them. And and I mean, yeah, I'm covering my butt, but more so I really want people to honor themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm working with a client who has a trauma history, it is a very, very thoughtful, careful process of making decisions on when and what is right for them. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to respect themselves. Yes, this can be a really powerful healing tool at the right time and the right space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, whenever I'm, I'm working with clients, or, you know, even with friends, you know, I, I have to accentuate chronically that everything is a choice. There's no you know, forcing. And you know, I think that a lot of people, if they jump in too quick, there's, you know, there's this loyalty, right? Yeah. The pressure to kind of stay with the gang and you want to show up for everybody. And, and when you're dealing with trauma, you really kind of have to zone in on what, what, what's going to honor you in that process. So I just, I need mm-hmm. to always start by saying that. And then I always want to start by saying too, if we're talking about trauma that, you know, this could be a trigger warning for people to, right hear what I'm talking about today Mm -hmm. so again same message please honor yourself you know there's days that you want to listen to this and there's days where you really shouldn't and Mm -hmm. that's okay I mean that's the case for me too even after all my training and my work on myself so so anyway those two um and maybe I can tell you how this kind of all evolved for me yeah is that helpful okay that would be wonderful I I work with a lot of um adolescents and kids going off to college and anyone who's seen the stats on that has seen that yeah a lot of assault takes place Mm -hmm. on college campuses and i really love for a lot of those kids to come back without an assault (laughs) yes right yeah (laughs) I would like that very much don't return to me for that reason mm-hmm. um, and as such I chronically would investigate any sort of self-defense tools I could find you know what's a Maga? what's this other standard self-defense and you've been going to those for years so that I would have at least rec- three recommendations to make to my clients because I want them to have those tools before they go And we have a friend of mine I was like hey let's go check out this free self-defense seminar and I'm like okay cool you know and and, and honestly I didn't even know what jiu-jitsu was at that time mm-hmm. I'd watch the UFC but I really didn't have insight as to what was going on um, yeah. in it or who created it or anything. Um, and just, you know, was going to go with a friend and the friend canceled on me last minute. So I actually contemplated not even going, but then I'm like, Oh, just go on. Um, and so there I am, you know, Henner and, you know, Henner Gracie's in front of me. And I'm like, uh, who's that? I don't know. And... <laughs> uh, all the gins for you to walk into. <laughs> right, and I'm just talking to that one, you know, lucky me. Um, so anyway, I, I proceed to have the most fun day I could have never imagined. I mean, two and a half, three hours straight of just giggles and laughs and, and walking out of there that day, I was invigorated. I mean, I was just filled with energy and I felt like, you know, I had been to the Wonder Woman training on the yes. island. I was, you know, I knew trap and roll and, and it, you know, I was going to conquer the world. Yes. <laughs> I was addicted immediately. Um, and so I enrolled in their women's program and I didn't want to do their combatives program at the same time. because I wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of stay focused, but, um, Mm -hmm. looking back, I think I probably could have done both. Mm -hmm. Um, and for anybody who's listening that doesn't know what those are, um, at the school that I train at, they have a special program solely dedicated to women and, in preventing them from being abducted and raped. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've really used law enforcement stats and all of their connections to kind of figure out pick out the techniques that they feel are appropriate to help women stay safe. Mm-hmm. They're now expanding that to LGBTQ and all kinds of populations to try to keep them safe as well. Right. Um, and then they have a street ready program for, you know, the average street fight with a person who isn't, you know, training in a lot of jujitsu, but it you right. know, wants to hit you. Cause you, you know, you're in the wrong parking spot or <laughs> yeah. whatever insanity exists in our world right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I, I, I focused on the women's program, um, and halfway through, they added new curriculum. So it ended up taking me a little bit longer than it probably Norman would have. And and then I, I was really Mm -hmm. addicted at that point. I was now then training 10 hours a week in their combatives program because I just, I could not get enough. You got the bug bite. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) I had it. I just, oh, it was so much fun. Just so much. I had no idea. Um, you know, and it, it really kind of struck me looking back now too, you know, even as a woman, how, you know, I was a tomboy when I was a kid, but I didn't wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we would play tag and we'd run around on our bikes and all kinds of things, but there wasn't a lot of like wrestling. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of physical contact. And I think it's something that a lot of women struggle with when they're thinking of joining jujitsu because they're like, Ooh, way too much body contact. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know I try to explain to everybody. I mean, I picture two little kittens, you know, and they're rolling around on the ground and kind of pawing at each other. And, you know, that that's kind of the playfulness that's happening here. Another friend of mine described it as like his dad would take him and he'd run at his dad and his dad would throw him onto the couch and he'd giggle, 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 and then throw him again. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's that kind of energy. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't even notice, I think, sometimes the physical contact if you're not focused in on it. You're just... Right you're just playing. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, completely addicted. Um, and then of course, combatives, um, actually, let me back up. So I'm in a women's program um, and, you know, I'm getting to the point where, you know, the instructors are telling me you should probably test. You're ready. I take a pre-test with one of the instructors, no problem. Like, you know, clean up a couple things, get a hundred percent, like no problem. Um, but then I realize that there's a specific instructor who's triggering me. And mm-hmm. it actually took me a minute to even realize I was triggered. You know, he would call up a more advanced student to demonstrate something in front of the class. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me up on a number of occasions and I couldn't get away from him fast enough. I was not listening to what he was saying. Mm-hmm. I just became squirmy. I was sloppy. Like the technique was crap. I just, I could not slow down. I did not want to be anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure that out because, you know, he had done absolutely nothing to me to right. cause any of that. And then, of mm-hmm. course, it's one of those nights I'm sleeping and all of a sudden I'm like, boom, wait a minute, he looks like somebody. I immediately whip out my phone. I'm digging up this guy's picture on Facebook and boom. Mm. Um, and it was amazing to me after all the years I have spent in therapy as a patient. All the years I've trained to become a therapist, all the work that I've done in myself, all the helping I've helped others, that it was still there. Mm. And I felt all of the icky, sticky, I want to crawl under. I just yuck. I don't know that there's even good words to describe it. Mm -hmm. Just really upset. Um, And and I just kind of amazed. Wow, that's something all these Mm -hmm. years. Um, Because I think it had been 30 Yeah, maybe 30 some odd years, 35 years since I had any contact with this person, Mm. which I think is a perfect demonstration. And I don't know if you want me to talk more about the brain later, but about how the limbic brain has absolutely no concept of what happened today, yesterday, or 30 years ago Mm. at all. And if there's an orange, and I can explain that later, stuck back there, it's going to, it's going to send off the alarm bells. So anyway, I reach out to them and I says, hey, I'm triggered. I'm sure you get this all the time. Like, how do you guys usually handle this? Cause I'm was curious to see what they would do. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Eve Gracie wrote me back. She's like, oh my gosh, Anna, um, you know, what a privilege that you would even share this with me. I'll keep it confidential. Um, Really what we need is for you to let us know what you need. Mm. Um, And the person who was triggering me was Henner. (laughs) uh goodness uh, like, do you need more henner do you need less henner do you need less energy oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh goodness and I says, you know what let's just let henner be henner mm-hmm. i'm not even sure what i need mm-hmm. um but then i decided you know what i want to test with him mm. because then i know it will be a legit test right like I know I will be triggered, mm-hmm. um, even after all the exposure I had had to him. So they're like, mm, he doesn't usually test people, you know, right, for a thousand right. reasons. But all right, we'll do this mm-hmm. anyway. Um, you know, so the day comes to test, and um, he walks in the room, and I'm immediately stop, block, frame, back up. Matner's <laughs> 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 yep. like, uh, Anna, do you want to get like a sip of water or something? And I'm like, no, <laughs> let's go goodness goodness oh my god i was i think i was already red shaking. yeah i managed to pass the test but you know mm-hmm. i even i i seriously um got dinged a point off because of trap and roll
2: oh man
1: <laughs> i froze on trap and roll mm. <laughs> and henner's on top of me shaking me you know he's like "Come mm-hmm. on, oh, no, i know this <laughs> i i was i tried punching him yeah yeah. Wow. That's, that's how triggered I was. Um, of course, Henner was not faced by any of that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which again proves the validity of like the striking in the situation like this versus the Jiu Jitsu. Right. Right. Anyway, I managed to pass, but here's, here's the moment that was amazing for me. So I, I oh. leave there, I go outside, I open up my phone. I don't know why. I just immediately open up my phone and I'm pictured. I pull the guy's picture up and there was nothing Wow! Nothing, absolutely no physical reaction whatsoever. It's like it's like something came with a big eraser and erased everything from my body that was there before. That's remarkable. Sticky, no sticky. No wanting to crawl under a desk. Nothing. No reaction whatsoever. And and like he could hear me, I spoke to the phone <laughs> and I said to I said to him, I was like, Ah, oh, you can't hurt me anymore. Mm. But here's the kicker, and I forgive you. Mm after years of working with clients on trying to get to that place of letting go, right. Of the forgiveness Mm -hmm. piece and all the books I read, I, I, you know, I think I really struggled myself and my clients were struggling, but I realized there's something tricky about forgiveness. If you feel like you're still under threat, okay. How am I supposed to let it go? Mm. Right. I need to still stay on guard.
2: Right. Right.
1: So, and forgiveness feels like letting go of the guard. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's so, so anyway, it was, it was mind blowing, uh, just incredible experience for me. And then of course, from that day forward, I was like, Oh my God, I want this for everybody. <laughs> I want all my clients to know about this. I want everyone yeah. to know about this. This is the most incredible experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so then, you know, I was watching videos and I mean, I had drunk the Kool-Aid completely, um, <laughs> managed to okay. run into, a, you know, oh, this is another piece of it. Um, I'm a, I'm a marital family therapist, but I'm mm-hmm. also a licensed advanced alcohol and drug abuse counselor and an art therapist. Okay. Um, and I spent many years um, as the house therapist at a men's sober living. Okay. And the men's sober living was run by a man who was a black belt at Crohn's Gracie. Okay. Um, and he had all the guys there training in jujitsu because he felt it was a healing tool. Um, and it was it was funny to me because I kind of ignored it for many years. I'm like, oh, OK, you have your little martial art thing. That's good. <laughs> and then it wasn't even till actually I I wasn't working there anymore. I got into it. But anyway, a lot of the my clients from there would send me links and messages. And one of them sent me a link to Jamie Marich, um, mm-hmm. who had made a video on her healing experience with Jiu Jitsu. And I reached mm-hmm. out to her and said, oh, my gosh, if you're ever doing anything with this, let me know. I want to support you, do anything I can. Um, We had a great conversation. And then North Atlantic Books asked her to write a book on this.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And she asked me if I would join her in writing it because Mm -hmm. she had gotten her pink belt and she was done. Mm -hmm. Um, She really enjoyed the experience and she still trains a little bit, but she doesn't have any goals to stay in anymore. And she wanted somebody on another coast involved in different schools who was still on the mats to Mm -hmm help write the book so anyway very long story to tell you how I got here yes but you know and it's it's
0: fascinating just conversations I've had uh, with people like yourself and then people from all it seems jujitsu attracts people from all different, you know, backgrounds, all different experiences. It really is, you know, they say America's a melting pot, but it seems like the jujitsu mats really are a melting pot, you know, Uh, different experiences, different um, trauma, different um, issues that people are working through on a day-to-day basis. Um, And I love the the sub-headline of, like, facilitating embodied recovery. And I just, I love that. That phrase, i would heard it before with the, the creative arts, and i had heard it uh, with yoga before, but i had never heard it in the context of jujitsu. Uh, for those of us uh, who may not be familiar with that term of embodied recovery, what from a clinical definition, what does that mean?
1: Well, you know, I, I think we'll just boil it down really simply. Mm-hmm. Um, as anybody who trains in any sport knows, mm-hmm. we have muscle memory. Mm mm-hmm right? We have bodily memory, um, separate even you know sort of we think of ourselves often as thinking beings from our head down. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes there's a lot of information coming the other direction right <laughs> from our body up. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there is a story written, right in mm-hmm. these muscles, in our bones, in our cells, across our body. And so oftentimes when people are asking me, well, what is this all about? And I'm like, look, there's a story that's written and and we need to rewrite it. Mm. Okay. Um, We can't talk your body into thinking that it's safe. Mm. <laughs> it needs to learn for itself that it can use tools or fight back. And one of the coolest things I love about jujitsu specifically is that it really can work for the smaller, less athletic, like tiny, tiniest of person. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm sparring on the mats. The tiny, tiny little ladies are my worst People, I cannot get past their legs. I can't do mm-hmm. anything. I mean, they're just they're wiggly. <laughs> I'm like, they are, they tall. gotta be. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm tall and lanky. So, like, I'm like, oh my God, hold still. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do anything. I mean, before I know it, they're like wrapped around my head. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, but the big guys, I'm like, no, okay, now I know where you are. <laughs> But anyway, I I love it so much for that reason. And so, yeah, I mean, at the simplest of level, our our muscles have memory, our body has memory. um, And, you know, those memories are not always so great. And if we can have some corrective experiences in our body, um, then we can begin to rewrite those stories as well, Mm because thought therapy is a wonderful and important tool. Mm-hmm. um but you know as art therapists and dance dance therapists and movement therapists and all the rest of them know like uh, there's there's much more to it than just our you know what's sitting in between our skull. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
1: think, you know, the medical world is starting to begin to understand that as well. I mean, you can see that in the um, adverse childhood experiences study by Kaiser. Mm -hmm. You know, They very much had that medical model of, you know, we just, we need to cure diabetes by making them lose weight. Um, And then they figure out, oh boy, wait a minute. The majority of these people that are morbidly obese are sufferers from all kinds of wicked trauma. So they really, we've got to pay attention to both. Um, mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I know as a
0: as a licensed therapist, and you talked a lot about the. I appreciated the the. Green, yellow, orange, kind of red zones, those number scales um, of knowing where it's safe to be operating from. Obviously, you don't want to be in the red zone. But a lot of people experiencing trauma, they're living in that red zone, right? From your experience for recommending jujitsu or putting yourself maybe in the exact position you were in, uh, is there
1: a level of therapy that probably needs to be taking place before you probably step on the mats, I would assume? So if I'm working with a client um, and, and every therapist different, they're going to find have to find their own way. OK, mm-hmm. but this is what I am recommending based on my experiences um, as a clinician um, is that uh, we exhaust actually all of our regular tools first. OK, um, I am. I work with EMDR. Mm-hmm. Um I I definitely do some cognitive behavioral work. I have psychodynamic, you name it. Um, But one of the most important pieces to me um, is that we work a little bit with exposure therapy before we get in there as well. Um, And we design a plan together and we... Um, I equip my clients with all kinds of emotion regulation tools, everything from grounding to progressive muscle relaxation to five, four, three, two, one, to all kinds of acute techniques with breathing and you name it. Mm -hmm. And we go through, you know, I might give a client a technique one week and then have them practice it the whole week. And then I come back the next week, I give them another one. They practice the whole week. And we really go through a substantial toolbox and they latch onto the ones that work better for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And really get to try on all different kinds of tools So that when they're upset, they know what they can do to get themselves calm again. And then, okay, and only then do we start, you know, even in the office talking about, it may have nothing to do with jujitsu, just even talking about things that, you know, get that number to rise, right, right where they're starting to feel upset. Um, mm-hmm. And and know, just like going to the gym. You wouldn't go in and like pick up three hundred pounds and then just hold it, you know, for an hour. Right. You you, you know you start with a low weight, low hanging fruit. You know, 20, 50 pounds. You pick it up. You put it down.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so we'll talk about something that's upsetting for them. Maybe five, 10 minutes, just mm-hmm. enough to get the number up to seven. I mm-hmm. don't want them in eight nine ten if I can prevent it. But um, mm-hmm. right. We spend a lot of time getting that number down to the four five six area. Mm-hmm. Um. And maybe I should have backed up and explained this to everybody who hasn't seen the book. Right. Um, Yes. But the scale is it's pretty much just like if you were walking into a hospital ER and they said, how much pain are you in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Zero is none at all. Ten is excruciating. And when I say pain, that can be anything in mental health. That's you know, that's that's. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm I'm sad. I can't even get out of bed. I can't mm-hmm. brush my teeth. I'm not eating. Ten. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, the the goal is that if we're working in the proper range, we're in that four, five, six where we are uncomfortable right we're we're lifting the weight mm-hmm. um but not excruciating because you know anybody can redline in an emergency mm-hmm. but there's a price tag Right. Yeah. That's a big price tag. And so you, you might actually be causing more damage. So anyway, after we've given them tools, we work on getting into that four, five, six, and then stopping the conversation and using one of their favorite tools. OK, Anna, help me with the grounding right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we practice that over and over and over again. So they feel like they can move the needle. They can move the number mm-hmm. up and down. They fall much more in charge of themselves. They can recognize what they look like when they're triggered. Are you mm-hmm. sweaty? Are you shaky? Do you dissociate? Uh, you know, do you become hypervigilant? Do you need to run out of the room? Right. And so mm-hmm. we, we studied their individual characteristics of what they look like when they're triggered. Um, and, the, you know, a great therapist can really help you and they'll be asking lots of questions. They'll be watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they make you safe enough to really just kind of be yourself in those situations and really learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, for some clients, they may need to even... After they've you know, built some tools and, and played with this in the office of even talking about jujitsu or even talking about the techniques or what the body contact might be like, right? These would be all mm-hmm. things that would be lifting weight just for a client just to hear about that, mm-hmm. right? You could move to then watching a video, right, together mm-hmm. and seeing what that was like
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
1: um, to then getting out and actually trying to sit and watch or visit a couple of different schools and see which one might work best for you. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm talking from a privileged place of living in LA where there's a school in every corner. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of people in America don't have one in every corner. So right. that may be visiting a school for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've got clients that, you know, really for me, my experience is the hardest part after that is just being able to walk through the door.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So I do a lot of work with them just being in the parking lot. Mm. Okay. And they may even have to visit that parking lot two or three, four or five times and walk up to the door and then walk back. And what we're doing in that is we are reminding them they have a choice. They always have a choice. They can mm-hmm. walk up and walk back. As a matter of fact, that's the assignment. That's the only assignment. Just walk up to the door and walk back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now walk inside, but then walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have a good relationship as a therapist with the school mm-hmm. <laughs> and they know. In advance, then I might be sending a client, uh, right? And with the client's written permission that I talk to them, they'll understand why this client is walking in and out. And, you know, then I can have conversations with the school as to when this works best and, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. We're trying to have as good experience as possible for everybody, the school and the person. But anyway, sure. you can see it's, it's a very systematic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, once they get on the mats, they tend to not need anything else, in, in my experience. But Mm -hmm. I have been there per client's request to just, you know, kind of check in with them. And we would set up like, you know, little cues like, um, you know, I'm going to look over at them because I'm kind of not staring them in their eyes. But if I'm staring at them in their eyes, that's me asking what their number is. And they literally just put fingers on the floor showing me. Oh, wow. Okay. And because sometimes um, if we go into, if we're triggered and we go into a pre-verbal state, they may not even have the words to say stop. Mm. right and so I'm looking at them and if they're shaky or whatever I automatically can say hey let's go get a sip of water together mm-hmm. or hey let's let's walk in and out the front door for a second I I need some fresh air would you mind coming with me mm-hmm. <laughs> right and I use my I use myself um, mm-hmm. a lot it's sort of a cover um, and we do different things depending on how much confidentiality they need because I'm not trying to you know out them because a lot of people know that I'm a therapist Um and so, yeah, there's just a thousand ways you can see how you could customize a mm-hmm. jujitsu experience. Um, even if you can't afford private lessons, right? Mm-hmm. With the correct school, they're going to be okay, hopefully, with somebody needing to walk up, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, I mean, really, that's, I feel like that's the biggest thing. It's just over and over and over again, reinforcing that they have choice at every step of the way. Because the way trauma is done, there mm-hmm. isn't any choice. Right. <laughs> right. And right. so going, hey, no, we can stop now if you like. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is very contrary to a lot of bad experiences about, no, you, you, you started this. Now you need to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Not very conducive to healing. Yeah. Um, I know. I was, you know, reading this, and as somebody who's kind of helped at our gym and structuring some classes and stuff, I was constant. I'm constantly thinking of how can we implement this. How can we make it? Uh, which is why I love you have each section in the book kind of has it for the the trauma survivor, uh, the practitioner for you know. So it's just a really great kind of breakdown, and it gives you. Um, good tools and good starting points. And I think that's something because mental health uh, in general is very important uh, to me and my journey in jujitsu of, you know, it gave me a sense of choice of how can I best manage, you know, this situation and jujitsu helped me manage that. And so how, I I mean, I guess this is just an existential question of, is there a way, do you think that there jujitsu schools across the is could there eventually be a partnership with clinicians and jujitsu schools across the country? Do you know if any gyms that are kind of national that are maybe going that way, or is this just something way like down the line of a hope and a goal?
1: So uh, yes and no. Um, I tell you what, a majority of the time, nine times out of 10, when I tell a fellow clinician. What I have written about, they give me a head tilt, just like the confused dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I mean, the UFC really has given Jiu Jitsu quite the reputation. Yeah. Um, which is so unfortunate because I feel like a lot of them would be more likely to say, oh, yeah, no, do karate, but not Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. um, or something to that effect. Um, but it, it, there really is an uphill battle here for Mm -hmm. all of us to kind of undo the stigma Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I will let you know this, the school that I train at um, Gracie University, which does have Mm -hmm. centers, you know, across the globe, um, they very much encourage their instructors to partner with fellow therapists in the community Mm -hmm. um, and that they, um, you know, know who they are. And if they are having, for example, their seminar, which is which they often kick off the women's program with this two-and-a-half, three-hour, free seminar. Um, but they encourage them to have a clinician there that day to respond to anybody that's triggered day one. Okay. Um, and I oftentimes, you know, I volunteer um, myself. I don't get paid. Um, and I I encourage therapists not to uh, claim payment for that. Um, it is a way to potentially get some client referrals, right, if, mm-hmm. if somebody is triggered. I often find that... Um, I actually I've been doing that for years myself and volunteering that first day and uh, have never had anybody triggered until this last event years and years and years <laughs> of volunteering at their events. And it was just this this very last one in February that I had the first person run up to me in tears and. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I can be helpful. Oh, my gosh. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, let's go stand over here in the hallway and feel our feet on the ground and mm-hmm. take breaths together and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but yes, there are there are more gyms, I think, excited about this than there are clinicians. OK, um, I think the clinicians um, have a, a healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I say healthy because they should you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now in our world that, you know, can go one way or another, you know, I'm not anti, for example, shrooms. Um, But you know, now everybody is going to do shroom healing. right? Um, And I'm like, okay, you know, everybody asked me, what's my opinion on that? Because I'm a, a LADAC. And I says, look, uh, it's too soon for me to say anything. I haven't seen a ton of research yet, mm-hmm. um, but I do find it interesting that it's all my addicts that are eager to try this. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just find that a little funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I feel like a lot of clinicians look at this and they're like, mm, "Yeah, let me see the research first." Mm-hmm. Um, and if if they're not training, it's really scary for them, right? They right. have no idea. They have all these preconceived notions, mm-hmm. and you know, some of the stuff I get into in the book too is there's you know there is a difference between. Um, competitive gyms, non-competitive gyms, or gyms mm-hmm. that see themselves as both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not anti-competitive at all. I mm-hmm. love the competitive world. I, I I I listen to one of your other podcasts and just love hearing your description of how you compete. And 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 I love seeing women go do this thing. Um, but a trauma survivor, I think, uh, really needs to consider carefully what that all means to them, and for right. what reason, when, and why. And mm-hmm. I also believe, too, that there can be some unhealthiness in some of those competitive gyms if there's a little too much bravado or we just have a black belt who doesn't know anything actually about being a teacher, but now they're a teacher because they're a black belt. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and if, if, you know, um, I mean, I have a I have a 30-point checklist that I ask trauma survivors to review in going to visit schools, and then I have actually several checklists after that for what I would like to see in the future mm-hmm. um and i you know if if somebody's listening to this right now uh I would let them know that my top three things on the top of that list of what they would want them to look for in a school would be um, safety first. Um, and one of the ways that you would know that a school is concerned with your safety is that when they're teaching a technique, you will literally hear the words, um, keep your partner safe, bye, right? Um, mm-hmm. And tap early and don't be eager to submit and, 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 right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I, I highlight a lot of that in the book. The next thing um, that I feel is important is no sparring day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know how that would happen uh, in a really healthy way. I'm going to be like, okay, let's play chess, you and I, but I'm not going to tell you how the characters move here. <laughs> <laughs> um, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah.
0: You're going to smoke me pretty quick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. I just, and I don't know that that would be a healing experience for someone. Because um, you're powerless so- again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Powerless again. Um and and you don't even know you know necessarily when to tap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember when I got into master cycle and people started grabbing at my feet and I'm like whoa 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 <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with my foot but please stop it <laughs> and I make it clear I don't know any foot locks yet I don't know heel locks I don't know any of that stuff like <laughs> please just go super slow and we do this thing at my school too it's um, especially on some days of the week where we just catch and release so yeah. you, you get to a position you catch what would have been a submission and then you just let it go like you mm-hmm. know you got it right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. let it go um so anyway those two um and then the other one is that they separate street from sport mm-hmm. so you know I'm a big fan of people learning self-defense through jujitsu. um mm-hmm. but I'm super crystal clear master cycle there's a good chunk of the techniques and I'm leaving myself open to punches and kicks
2: right
1: um and I, you know honestly as much as I love my school and I really really do um they don't always highlight the difference I have to really think yeah. it out um, and it's it's something that I'm always doing with my partners. I just love uh fight sim days for that reason. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I get to, you know, let you know that you're open for punches right now. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, I think that uh, were, that's a really great, great point on the separating the sport from uh competitive jujitsu. That's the word. Um, because I, I gotta be honest, I love my original gym, the gym I'm at now, but we don't differentiate and uh, we can do all this fun stuff and it looks really cool. And it, but Oh crap, I'm going to get, you know, kicked in the face or punched in the face. (laughs) Yeah, So I think you, you said fight sim days. So those are days where do you glove up? I mean, you just tap
1: them. What do you do? We glove up um and you know typically we're not trying to you know go 100 punches we're oh, just yeah you know we just we tap and it, it's it's what we call um reflex development day and i didn't get to explain that before so um our competitive or sorry combatives program hour. our it's not mine <laughs> my school gracie university's combatives program um is a program that's basically you know, in the average street fight right um mm-hmm. what you might get attacked with so you know um And so on those days that we're doing that, we try to stick more to that curriculum. So stuff that you would see from the average person trying to hurt you Mm -hmm. um, out on the street using whatever they've got. And so, yeah, we glove up and we will we'll give each other a little punch here and there to like let them know they're open. Mm -hmm. Uh, But usually it's not that hard although I will let you know there was a day <laughs> I was training with one of my partners. Um, and, and I, I, love him to death. One of our instructors came over. Um, and he, uh, I was sparring with a woman who actually has uh, limited vision. Um, oh, and he's okay. like, do you know who you're sparring with? That's Ana. He's like, let her have it. And so she did. And I was like, ah, <laughs> she really did. And I was like, I was getting wailed on pretty good. Oh, geez. So, uh, but anyway, that's just that was really silliness. So yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and of course, that's another thing they teach us a lot in our school is how to communicate, to ask for what you need, mm-hmm. um, what you want, how to talk about you know injuries. Oh goodness. Um, with each other, and you know, hey, I'm 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 just going for a flow roll today. I you know I'm going at fifty percent, or you know, hey, would you mind sparring with one arm? Yeah, <laughs> and like legs and not letting each other in, or you know, or whatever. Um, And they they normalize it pretty much every single day. I mean, before we jump into sparring after technique, they will go, Hey, talk to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. And then they'll warn us too. Like, if a belt ceremony is coming up, they're like, Don't be trying to impress us by going 200% and hurting each other. And, you know, as a matter of fact, all that it will do is get you on the (laughs) blacklist, on Mm. the bad list. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, really interested in this and trying to get more information and shape their gyms and shape their teaching. I gave a six hour talk to a recovery facility in Prince Edward Island, Canada. Mm -hmm um because they are literally as part of their recovery program where they have lots of things i mean they've got emdr they've got horses they have it all Mm -hmm. um they are adding now just for their veterans um i think just female veterans actually is where they're starting a jujitsu um healing program um and so yeah i took the instructors and the clinicians through a very long training Mm -hmm. on my thoughts on how they should create that and what they need to look out for um wow. so that's happening um and I want to say there's four other places I'm talking to right now and and I I think two or three other presentations I've given already as well. Um and I created this big sort of workbook that I can hand over to people so you mm-hmm. know they can go straight to the page of when a student is triggered how do you mm-hmm. respond? Right. Um, and we're not expecting, I am definitely not expecting instructors to be therapists. That's, I don't, as a matter of fact, want them to do. But mm-hmm. um, there's little things that I've discovered over many years of training. Um, so, for example, right now, you and I are looking at each other straight in the face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and I am blocking your exit if we're in the same space. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, <laughs> a lot of trauma is done in a way where a person feels trapped. So if I'm coming up to you to say, Hey, how's your training going? Right. I'm Mm -hmm. not even going to say, Oh my God, are you okay? You're crying. You know, Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to just go, Hey, how are things going over here? You Uh know? Um, And I will, I will actually position my body kitty corner Mm -hmm. um, so that my, you know, my shoulder is closer to you, but my other shoulder is angled away. And Mm -hmm. in that process, I mean, if I'm holding out my arms, I am literally holding space for your escape. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I and mean, we talk all the time about what is, you know, to hold space for somebody else. I mean, and mm-hmm. I when you turn your body like that, you literally can hold their exit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Th- yeah, that makes sense. And so for those of us who are,
0: you know, it is an audio podcast, but she's angling herself and she's kind of facing almost. Um, I don't want to say perpendicular, but she is creating kind of like this. L or V shape to allow if I needed to leave, she's shielding me so that I can leave if that makes auditory sense. <laughs> so
1: it's a hard thing to, to describe without a visual. Yeah. kind yeah. of like a v, Right. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm angled off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm not staring them down and there's just, there's all kinds of tips and, you know, language things, um, you know, again, in our language, we can trap somebody, mm-hmm. right. By telling mm-hmm. them what they should do or how they should feel, or, you know, you're safe now. Uh, according to who? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, no. Um, and by the way, where we as clinicians are evolving to and even the word safe, we're kind of tentative with we we like mm-hmm. now to say safe enough are you feeling safe enough? Like we're trying to get to a place mm. where it's safe enough because the world is not necessarily safe. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So we just want to be safe enough that, you know, we can breathe and and not be hypervigilant kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's been a really amazing experience um, giving some of these trainings. And I find that oftentimes just talking about the brain gets people really excited. They're like, oh my yeah. gosh, that's why. Uh-huh. Like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and it's really empowering for people to hear more about that. So, oh, yeah. For sure. I know you keep bringing up
0: hypervigilance. I'm reading it's I'm an English teacher. And so I'm constantly I don't know why I've used myself like this, but I read like seven books at the same time. (laughs) And so um, I just finished reading Gavin DeBecker's book, uh, The Gift of Fear. And so he was talking all about hypervigilance and uh, distinguishing worry from, you know, immediate somebody's going to kill you right now. Uh, fear. And talking about how when we're hypervigilant, it's like you turn on the radio up so loud, you can't hear anything else, but just that loud, roaring noise. And it's you're hypervigilant, but it's almost like you can't see anything at the same time, you're looking at everything. And you can't zero in on the thing, the the immediate problem in a way. Um, Can you talk a little bit about hypervigilance? And, you know, of course, the brain and like, why, you know, that's, just something our brains do it seems in this
1: world of terror at, at times it's like my favorite thing in the world to talk about <laughs> <laughs> um yes absolutely uh you know so for example i i just read something a little while ago and i loved this description you know for a woman who's been raped like mm-hmm. she's walking down a street and a man is walking towards her that man is a potential rapist yeah yeah right yeah. Unfortunately, from that day forward, <laughs> right? It mm-hmm. really—it's a protective, healthy function that our brain does. And going, no, I've categorized the situation; it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, all of our brains are built to do that. You know, if I got you know bit by a dog, uh, you know, I might slow down on trying to pet a dog after that. Yeah. Uh, and here's the challenge: so our our brains are very, very sophisticated, and yet they're not. Um, we have this lovely section of the brain called the limbic brain. Um, and you know, we could call it monkey brain, animal brain. We've got a lot of nicknames for it, but really, unfortunately it is the part of the brain that takes in all of our information. So anything that you're sensing right now, your smell, your taste, your touch, your hearing, anything that you're sensing is coming in through that section of the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is coding. It It has two boxes, pleasure or threat. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just two. And it's funny, as therapists, we're chronically talking to our clients about don't do black and white thinking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yet this brain only has black and white thinking, pleasure threat. Um, and, you know, if it's, if it's pleasure or neutral, right, it's not a big deal. Brain functions normally, and frontal lobe is turned on and, you know, whatever experience that is gets kind of filed away, uh, you know, up, up here, you know, in our frontal lobe. Um, if it's threat, all kinds of other things take place. So for example, right now, um, if I happen to punch you in the nose and you were eating an orange, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Your brain would take in everything in this situation right now. And a bunch of puzzle pieces, I mean, literally picture puzzle pieces. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you might notice my curly hair. That would be Mm -hmm. a puzzle piece. The orange you were eating puzzle piece, right. Um, the sensation of the headphones that you have on puzzle Mm -hmm. piece, all just separate puzzle pieces, not together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so all those puzzle pieces are now coming into this section of the brain. And um, what you need to understand about this section of the brain is it needs to connect to the frontal lobe to put the puzzle pieces together. If it gets activated and really thinks this is a threat, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a traffic jam, Like, I don't know what your major highway is, but here in the 405, five o'clock, there's going to be a traffic jam up to the frontal lobe um, and things are going to get stuck and never make it up there to get filed. Mm-hmm. So the orange, the sensation of the orange might actually stay in your limbic brain that this is coded as a threat. Now you are sitting in a room 20 years later, somebody's eating an orange. And all of a sudden your shoulders are rising and you don't feel good and you're nauseous and your nose starts hurting and you need to get out of there, but you have no idea why Mm. you don't even know it's the orange because that part of the brain doesn't think Mm. it doesn't speak. It doesn't have any language either. Okay. Our ability to speak exists up in the frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't put the story together. It's just floating pieces, right? Orange is a threat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in addition you know, that moment where I punched you to make things even worse, this, this section of the brain up here that we need the frontal lobe to be able to put that puzzle together actually can lose blood flow to some degree. Yeah. It has literally gone offline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk about the ability to overreact, right? Like, you know, yeah. I'm sitting in a room and there's an orange. Now, and this was just me punching you in the face. I mean, what if it was worse than that? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and imagine how those things are now charged. They are literally electrically charged. The orange is electrically charged. My curly hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Look out for the curly hair people. They're out to get you. <laughs> right. right. Everything is loaded. Um, and so the cool thing is we have these amazing tools out there. EMDR, for example, is just absolutely one of my favorite. And through the bilateral steam, you know, we start to get access to this. Sometimes they'll start traveling up. Huh. Okay. Okay. So that's the good news. Right. Um, the bad news is it doesn't always get, you know, below the neck as well as we mm-hmm. want it to, which is why then I like to have the somatic experiences, the corrective experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I give this example oftentimes when you know I have the doctors giving me the head tilt, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Help with trauma. And I says, look, you've got this woman, she was held down on the ground, wrist pinned while she was being assaulted, right? Mm-hmm. Now she's at jujitsu. jitsu she's held down, same exact position, guys mm-hmm. holding her down, pinning her wrists on the ground, on the ground right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now she flips this guy off of her to her advantage over and over and over and over again.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: story in her wrists and the weight... Mm -hmm. and the sensation or anything that she's getting from this big guy is being rewritten Mm. i am safe enough Mm -hmm. i can survive this i can interrupt it Um, one of the things i've done with a few of my clients is um we have outlined their entire trauma story from beginning to end okay Mm -hmm. so you know everything that happened before leading up to it even if there were like in um intrusive moments. So oftentimes, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, if this is somebody who, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Yeah. that everybody loves, um, there's moments leading up to an assault where they start to intrude, right? Mm -hmm. They're touching a little more than they should. They think they can just come over and grab you or hug you and not let go when you want to, right? And so all of these moments leading up to the assault, through the assault, um, we will break each segment down, and mm-hmm. we will match a jujitsu technique to it. So, for example, at my school, we have a creepy hug technique, right? So uh-huh. they're going for a frontal hug, right? You know, we've got lots of options that you, like, post your hand out and offer them a hand. I like handshakes, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or if you do want to, you don't want to make that big a scene, like, or or you feel good enough giving a side hug, right? You can, you know, press against their chest, lead them that way, swim under their arm, mm-hmm. your shoulder up so that they can't get their arm around your waist. Yeah right? So things like that. So you are in charge of the physical contact. Hmm. Anyway, what I love about it is, again, we're answering each step of the way you have an answer now. Yeah. Uh, But we're also very, 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 very careful not to shame in this process. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, absolutely uh, there's nothing you should have done differently in the past or, you know, you can never, it's not your fault this assault happened you know mm-hmm. um and we are we're just extraordinarily i um, careful about you know any weird victim blaming crap um right. that's out there. so um anyway uh yeah limit brain limit brain mm-hmm. is limited um and people often yeah love hearing about that um and so you know, when we're triggered, that can show up, you know, the orange happens in the room, now we're triggered. And depending on the individual, they can show up in a 1000 different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, on some of my lists, you know, some people might start shaking, crying, I mean, those are real visible, but some other people will start to dissociate. And that's harder to spot, right?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and And that's when they're starting to like, not be able to understand what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Or the technique is getting harder to understand. Oh, come on, Anna, I know how, you know how to do this. It's easy, this is just, you know, baseball joke. Come on, what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And they're just not there. right? Um, they've gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'll give you one that even a lot of clinicians don't know about. There's a thing called hypervigilant hearing. Hmm. So and okay. when I grew up, I, in my household, knew that the tone of your voice was much mm. more important than the content of what you were saying. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> And so my brain would not care really what you were saying and more so just tuned into the tone of your voice, which then can very much make teachers... Sound like wah 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 like yes. the sound teacher, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to work really hard on myself to make sure I'm feeling safe enough. Which often means, you know, in, in prior situations, I've got to have my back to the wall. I need to know where my exits are. I need nobody in my way of the exit. Um, I can't have people around me making all kinds of noise because if the person over here opens a bag of chips. I'm going to have to study what that is for the next 10 minutes and make sure it was just a bag of chips and, you know, not something else coming at me sideways. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I actually calm myself down enough to get to the back to what the teacher's saying, I've missed 10, 15 minutes of whatever the teaching was. Yeah. Right. So, and then we get labeled with all kinds of things like, you know, lazy, distracted ADHD, right? Yeah. What a mess.
2: Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, I oftentimes have to remind teachers over and over again, just because somebody isn't hearing your voice or or looks distracted or is looking around the room or whatever. It, it means no disrespect to you. Um, mm-hmm. They literally might not be able to control that. They're they could be triggered or they might actually have ADHD. Also right? possibly. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Either way, you coming across uh, authoritarian and scolding is, is probably not going to make them feel safe enough to build different skills. Hmm. So. So anyway, I just love all the interest in this topic. Um, A friend of mine's a minister and his, his congregation actually hired me to do a trauma informed training for his leaders of his church. Oh, That's wonderful. I know. It just blew me away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Yes. Um, I love that you guys are caring about that. So, um, but I also feel like, too, it, uh, whenever we're talking about this, I feel like with a lot of jujitsu instructors, they're on board. They're like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, of course, you know, and mm-hmm. they're thinking a lot about the veterans, you know, not just mm-hmm. there is no just, but, you know, I think a lot of times when we think of trauma and we're talking about women who've been raped, um, but there also is the, you know, first responders and and veterans and, you mm-hmm. know, their trauma and the, the horrific things they've seen that, mm-hmm. right? So did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely you did,
0: absolutely. And I think, um... That's something that, you know, kind of as a teacher and in the jujitsu world, too, you brought up in the book a lot about curriculum and like getting that out there so they can. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah, lesson plans. They want all my lesson plans in by Monday. So that, you know, it's like, oh crap, not this. No, but, uh, but that actually gives them, it's kind of very similar. And I don't know why more teachers and more professors or more teachers, coaches uh, don't do that, get their you know, what's going to be on the agenda this week so that if it is a situation where somebody, they haven't quite gotten up to the level of where they can be comfortable if somebody's in mount on them or something like that, you know, okay, I might need to just watch this class, you know, because that would be something that I can imagine that would be incredibly upsetting if that was a situation you had not prepared for, you're thrust into it. Again, you feel like, the power of choice has been taken away from you and it could be re-traumatizing. And, you know, that's certainly not what you would want to do um, as a jujitsu instructor. Instructor, There we are. Um, ha- have you run into I know you've been in the one main gym, but have you seen like other gyms and other gym schools, cultures try to adopt more of getting that kind of information out there? Or is it just, you know, what your school does and that's kind of it?
1: So. When I started writing this book, um, I had, uh, plans. I've got, of course, through all of, uh, the guys at the sober living contacts at all kinds of amazing schools across the South Bay. Mm-hmm. And I was very excited to go train and try them all out. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, anyway, um, and then, uh, my, my dad was, um, Needing me, he was—he was dying of a horrible disease, and mm-hmm. you know, I spent um, two years um, having to take really good care of him, which kept me from training because if I brought home even a cold to him, let alone COVID, I would have killed him. Yeah. So I—I mm-hmm. I just got back to the mats uh-huh. this uh, January, and I was—you ex- know—I wanted to sort of like, you know, get my muscle memory going again, and I Mm -hmm. went back to combatives, I'm still going back to combatives to remember everything. Um, And I was just about ready to go out and go, you know, do the things I promised I was going to do. And then the whole thing came out with the trial of the guy who got paralyzed and angry. And I don't know why BJJ or something.com picked the picture of me shaking Henner's hand. (laughs) oh my gosh that was you oh yeah yeah Yeah, it was and then i I was funny because it was that week i was literally gonna go out and i'm like i think i'll just you know hang tight for a minute (laughs) because i can imagine people might have some feelings you know there's a lot of weird information out there and (laughs) yeah yeah so um i will make good on my promise um and I, mm-hmm. I did have a black belt and a brown belt tell me they'd be happily escort me to other said gyms uh-huh <laughs> i doubt anybody even knows me i'm not you know yeah but it was, it was a heated you know yeah thing. yeah it was for sure for sure so um but anyway i am i am hearing from at least the gyms that are reaching out to me for training and mm-hmm. other of people that you know people are continuing to try to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, I think they're also though, there's uh, for some gems, there's kind of a backlash on some of it too. Mm. Um, uh, what is the words make jujitsu tough again, or, or I don't know, some, something to that effect where they're like, you know, let's stop yeah. catering to the weakest link. And, you know, we're, we're going to like, you know, we want the the real warriors in here. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I know that they're out there too, where they're going mm-hmm. the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I there's room for everybody. I um, mean, you know, I have to tell you, even at my school, there's a gentleman that, uh, uh, he was pretty aggressive and injured my rim ribs one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's a law enforcement officer, nothing against law enforcement officers. I have lots of police friends who are very gentle and considerate. Mm-hmm. Um and but I've explained to when I, you know, when I told the teachers what happened, um, that I don't want him gone. I mm-hmm. want him there. You know, I want I just want um caution put on who he can spar with. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Right. I want him mm-hmm. learning, I want him there, but maybe not have him with the, you know, 13 year old girl who just joined Master Cycle. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, I, I want him to have that opportunity, too. And then I'm glad that he's there for the days that I want to, like, push myself into that space of like, no, let's keep it 100 percent real. If you were trying to attack me on the street, could I stay Get out? Safe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I think it's it's it goes right back to wanting the curriculum up front. I just want people to be upfront about what mm-hmm. it is they're trying to achieve um, mm-hmm. and making sure that everybody's on the same page. hmm so that we stay safe enough. Does
0: that Mm -hmm. make sense? Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. I think,
1: um, I mean, the key, it all
0: gets back down to communication, 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 communication. And um, you know, sometimes you have people who are um, great at jujitsu, but they're very poor communicators and that's a a recipe sometimes for disaster.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do think some of the magic too of jujitsu Maybe a really good chunk of it, actually, in my mind um, is the philosophy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And and I think some of the best instructors I've experienced spend a lot of time talking, you know, um, about the philosophy, the mindset, the and then they give you the words that you need to communicate Mm -hmm. um, to scale it back or to talk about what your goals are for that day or. um, Yeah. It's just it's 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 so amazing i mean i can't tell you how many times i've sat in a meeting with a client who doesn't even train and i'll see something like yeah manage the distance manage the damage <laughs> we're talking about somebody they shouldn't be around too much <laughs> um right it's true it's, though right language yeah. skills it, it's just some amazing metaphors that um have come to me through my experience and an ability to communicate in ways i I didn't know I needed. That was another description Mm -hmm. I loved. I saw a little while ago about trauma because a lot of us are living in it and with it. And we have no idea that we're even living with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not until somebody comes along and opens the box and says, hey, do you want to come out? Do you realize you were even in a box? Mm. Which relates to another experience I had one day. I had to go to an event right after training. And, you know, I don't wear dresses that often, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of required to wear a dress for this occasion. Um, and so I showered, got my dress on, and then I walked out to the front lobby. Um, and there were a couple gentlemen there, Um, and they gave me the once over, mm. you know, the right. And yeah. they weren't trying to be gross about it. I think they were just kind of startled to even see me in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute, is that Anna? <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right? Uh, yeah. But it was funny in that moment, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not uncomfortable. It was so weird. It like flashed in my head that at any other occasion in my, you know, where I'd been wearing dresses before my jujitsu training. If a man looked at me, I literally would find any excuse I could to exit the room as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Like make sure they weren't looking at me. There was something about it. It was like a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that day I was perfectly comfortable. I'm like, look, all you want, homie. Like <laughs> if you let's try to think, yeah, yeah. I'll kick <laughs> your butt in my dress. <laughs> like. <laughs> Pull me out to the parking lot. I dare you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But yeah. Um, But I just it was a weird experience. I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. I'm comfortable in a dress. Wow. Wow. So that was like a box I was in that I didn't know I was even in. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, I yeah, shoulders back, head up. I don't need to like, you know, curl myself up and and run out of the room or, you know, not make eye contact with the exact opposite. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I see you in your eyeballs. Um, but anyway, uh really just so many good experiences and and, and maybe mm-hmm. it's just the the school um vibe that the instructors Put out where I train, mm-hmm. but and I'm just telling you so much support. Um, you know, I'm injured. I've had so many injuries. Oh my goodness. Um, not necessarily even from jujitsu, just, you know, outside life from lifting weights and things like that. Mm-hmm. And people are more protective over my body than I am. And mm-hmm. you know, with the black belt the other day, he's like, no, 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 Anna, you're using your arms. Stop. that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh, you're scaring me. Like move this way. I don't want <laughs> mm-hmm. to. Oh, so much love.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't it's so much love. I've experienced more love on the mats than I think I have anywhere else in my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So much care for my ability to do stay safe and to take care of my body and all the checking in. Was that okay for you? Is this too much pressure? Um, you know, more or less, uh, mm-hmm. what do you want to do today? What are your goals? What do you want to focus on? Just do so many words of invitation and validation and encouragement. Oh my God, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for training with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's been a phenomenal experience and I, I want it, I want it for so many more people out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs>
0: hey, I mean, that's, that's the best advertisement I can think of for jujitsu right there. I mean, really it, finding that school that you vibe with, it, it's kind of like a family where, you know, you just, Get to you know, have fun. You know, learn techniques that can absolutely save your life in a in a moment of crisis. But it's being learned in a way that it's respectful and it honors you, um, honors your ability to make choices. And just I don't know. I just I love it. <laughs> you love it. Um, and I I'm right there with you. I hope more people find it as an empowering. Uh, a tool that if they have survived trauma, uh, that they can use it as a way to take back that power, take back that choice. Um, I don't know. I just can't say more positive things about this book. I loved it. Read it, I think, two times. So <laughs> love oh, it to them. You.
1: But really um, appreciate that.
0: Um, is there anything uh, you want the listeners to know uh, before we log off or any big
1: projects coming up to be on the lookout for? Um, I just said I do customized trainings um, for anybody that's looking for it. Um, I have this menu of things that I can talk about and they can cherry pick what they want and whether they need me there in person or just virtually is fine. Um, I'm just really eager to be a part of the solution and help get out good information or if there's somebody else, other clinicians out there doing research, if, if they need anybody to help partner with them, I'm more than happy to support that. Um, But I think overall, you know, for everybody out there, I just, I just want to encourage people to have fun. Um, And I feel like, even separate from jujitsu, for many years, um, working with adults, I feel like people have forgotten how to have fun. Um, Mm -hmm. That you become an adult and you just, you know, you get in your beige box and, you know, do what you're supposed to and you've forgotten how to play. Um, and I think jujitsu helped me, uh, really kind of take that to the next level of, oh my gosh, wait a minute. This is, this is how you play. Mm -hmm. Um, this is what playful looks like. This is, this is having friends in all walks of life. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm in all walks, um, women, men, old, young, uh, doctors, lawyers, janitors, um, everybody. And, and it's such a, beautiful place, at least at my school. I mean, you walk in, everybody's on the same level. There's no hierarchy. There's no politics. There's just let's take care of each other and learn some cool techniques and have a whole lot of fun and laughs. Mm -hmm. So it's the humanistic side of me that says just learn how to play and laugh at your mistakes and, and yeah, find that inner child of yours again and nurture them and love them and ask them what they need. And, and yeah, they may need days off the mat too. Um, but yeah, go check it out. And if anybody, yeah, needs help understanding what to seek in a school, you know, I can, I can have a, you know, private talk with them, um, you know, just be normal session situation with me. And, you know, I can uh, give them the best of my two cents on what they should be looking for, or how to stay safe, or how to build that language and asking what you need for or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, I've had instructors call me, I've been triggered, I've been doing this for like 10 years, I can't believe now I'm having a heart attack on the mats. And Jeez. so then I'm like, oh, well, you're in another state, so I can't treat you. But let me tell you what to look for in a therapist. And this is what I'm thinking that you might want to do together with them. And this is what you should ask for. And um, and just go. It's wonderful. The orange popped up finally. So let's let's take care of it. Let's get the electrical charge off of that baby and get you back on the mats. And you've had an amazing learning experience that's going to help you spot other people who are triggered and help them through it, too. Mm-hmm. So. So anyway, I just can't thank you enough for hosting this podcast and for, you know, being another female powerful competitor out there doing <laughs> the thing. Um, at 51, I have absolutely zero interest in competing. <laughs> oh,
0: you can get out there. Absolutely. Go wreck the division. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe maybe after some, you know, ligament healing for the next year. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't have any goals other than to play. I'm taking it slow and steady. So, hey man, that sounds like a plan. Well, thank you
0: so much for your time and just sharing your wisdom and, and knowledge on the topic. And uh, just have a great rest of your day.
1: You too. All, All right. right. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>